Hey there, Pinpoint Players. Tim here with the Pinpoint Player Podcast. I'm joined tonight with my buddy Rambo. Hey, what's going on, everybody? So tonight, we wanted to cover the Activision Blizzard lawsuit because of its impact on the gaming industry. Right. By the time this episode comes out, um, a lot of this will be uh, somewhat older news. But that said... It's still going to be relevant in the eyes and ears of gamers. And the reason we wanted to mention it is because as much as we like to throw shade at Activision for their, you know, churn and burn games like your Call of Duties of the world, it's not just an Activision problem. This is a industry-wide problem. Like, this stuff, this kind of stuff has been shown to be an issue with companies like Ubisoft, with Riot Games, Epic Games, Activision. I mean, my point is this is... Uh, industry-wide issue so we figured that this would be worthy of a conversation you know lay some facts out and kind of get our feelings out about it and see like what can be done about going forward absolutely as gamers as people who consume the products that these companies turn out for us it's important that we keep them on a high standard uh, as the individual must keep companies on a high standard so for the pinpoint players out there who are listening uh, we want to thank you guys for listening, and we want to let you know that we will do what we can our, on our side as content creators to keep us all informed, ready, and active for, I mean, inevitably, another thing that might come down the line. So it's unfortunate that this type of uh, problem is in the gaming industry as well. It's no surprise. And that's just uh, it. But what has... Yeah, yeah, exactly. What has come to light has been uh, deeply disturbing, upsetting, and just downright infuriating, especially coming from just a level-headed <laughs> a level-headed person's perspective. It's it's unfathomable. Well, yeah, and that's the thing like this has been an ongoing issue for years like and it's not just Activision. I mean, we're talking about Activision at least in the beginning of the part of this episode. And just for those that aren't aware, or maybe enough time has passed, on July 20th, the state of California, the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, filed a lawsuit against Activision Blizzard, alleging multiple instances of gender-based discrimination, inequality, and harassment through Activision's Blizzard and network of companies. So that's what we're talking about specifically. And here's the thing. Me hearing this, I'm in no way surprised about this because I can tell you just offhand, I don't work in the gaming industry, but just being a gamer every now and then, just playing games online, you see some of the toxic things that go on in chat, you see the, some of the toxic things that people say to each other, whether it's on Twitch or in the game itself. But you expect that to come with the territory because gamers usually on like stuff like Fortnite or Call of Duty aren't the most pleasant people. They tend to be pretty rude. I mean, sometimes they aren't, but my, my experience, they just tend to be. So you expect that in that kind of a gaming world. But in a workplace, no, that's completely unacceptable. And this kind of stuff is endemic of not just gaming, startups, have that bro culture, and that's the thing we wanted to talk about today. And just to give quick context, some hard numbers. 48% of the gamers today are women. So about half, 50-50 half. Great. Awesome. Near equality, you'd think we'd be okay. Except in the gaming world, video game developers, only 24% are female. And then when we go into leadership positions, oh my god, it drops off precipitously. So that kind of tells you what you need to know. And the fact that this stuff is kind of happening at Activision, you know, gender-based discrimination, you know, 
sexual harassment, it tells me that the culture is rotten from the top down. This ain't a case of bad apples, because this stuff keeps happening at different companies, and today it's just Activision. Tomorrow, who knows? Well, the great thing about this, the state of California actually has levied this lawsuit. It's not, it's not a personal lawsuit. It's not a class action lawsuit. It's a state lawsuit. Let you know that the uh, magnitude of the case is beyond just pennies and pigeons. It's, <laughs> it's to the point where the state is saying this company in our territory can no longer do business, essentially. Like, right, they need to be reined in. Yeah, the hammer needs to come down. It's kind of sad that it's taken this long, because in general, and I'm going to get into a little bit more of like kind of a socialism-y kind of vibe here, but hear me out. So what happens when you have a c companies the size of Activision, a company that's nearly 10,000 people, something like EA. EA for now is kind of uh, off the radar in terms of this stuff, but maybe they could be in a story in the future. EA, I think, employs around the same number. Um, Epic, right? I mean, these games all employ thousands of employees. But the thing is, these employees don't have any collective bargaining. So, like, when stuff like this happens, when you're sexually harassed or passed for promotion or basically told to get over something or you're basically worked to the bone to, to deliver games by the release date, so you have to work 70 or 80-hour weeks, you know, sometimes without overtime, it tells me that these corporations treat people like shit because they know they can get away with it. So these kind of places desperately need representation. They need some sort of union structure because otherwise things like this will continue to happen. And it's like today it's gender-based discrimination from Activision. Tomorrow it could be something else completely different that I just mentioned. And that is a scary thought. I, I really hope that the things that they are fighting for, they get, uh, especially since a company has treated them so terribly. Uh, I think it might be a wise idea to get into some of the nitty-gritty details about this case so we can kind of get some clarity. Now, I do need to make a disclaimer. Uh, Rambo and I have done our own independent research. We have looked at several articles. Uh, personally, I've written down the article's name, the publishing date, and the writer just in case I need to refer to it specifically. I did take some notes, but the best I'm going to be doing is paraphrasing just for the time's sake. But By all means. Um, a couple of the detail, yeah, the couple of details that I looked up specifically were of this. And I forgive me if I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Alex Afrasebi uh, was responsible for the development of uh, a few games with Activision Blizzard. One of the most notable is World of Warcraft. He contributed several things to that game. In 2013, at a BlizzCon, he took out a hotel room and dubbed it the quote-unquote Bill Cosby Suite, to which this article, ARS Technica's Blizzard Confirms Developer Named in Lawsuit Was Removed for Misconduct, published by Kyle Orland uh, July 29th, uh, reportedly members of the then- Activision Blizzard were posing with pictures uh, in pictures with Alex Afrasebi with a picture of this Cosby, Bill Cosby portrait. So they're not even trying to be subtle about it. Good God. Yeah. So the mindset of that, that's an interesting thing that I want to get into, but the article states that 
they made comments on a public Facebook group about this development of the suite and it was pictures of alcohol with a couple of Afrasebi's buddies uh Corey Stockton Greg Street and one other dude David Kosak all making comments in the bottom pictures being like you can't marry all of these women to which Afrasebi responds yes I can I'm Middle Eastern but then James Jesse McCree comments you spelled fuck wrong so they were implying that he couldn't marry, quote-unquote, all of these women. So he was intending to use that room specifically for boozing up women and having every one of... And in the Cosby suite, <laughs> like... So hence... So, get, just, so there you go, folks. For hence the it name. It just became so uncomfortable putting all of the thi- Putting all of the pieces together. Bill Cosby used drinks to drug women. You're naming a hotel room filled with alcohol the Cosby Suite. It's like, like, do I have to spell this out for any of our listeners or anybody we even have this, this conversation is pretty, around? This is sideways <laughs> to Sunday. This is screwed up. This is pretty fucking like red flag alert. And this was just one of the articles. When I was talking about this with my roommate, he said, well, didn't you hear about the employee that killed herself? No, I didn't at that time. And when I looked into it, I literally just blind rage, like wanted to punch my computer screen. It was just so upsetting. This poor woman who is unidentified in the lawsuit to protect her identity. But she was taken on a business trip with her supervisor for Activision Blizzard. They literally took a business trip for business. And her supervisor packed lubricants and sex toys as essential needs for a business trip. Again, just lacking the subtlety. Lacking the subtlety there. Like, I guess, yeah. I guess that, oh, oh, this poor woman. To go back to some of those numbers, uh, I, I would like to reflect that the culture in the video gaming industry might contribute to the low numbers of women who want to apply for those types of jobs. They might take the job, endure the abuse for a month or two, realize it's not going to change, and then just leave, and they're not able to put up with the culture. And I don't say that like, well, yeah, if women want to be in this industry, they got to put up with this kind of shit. No, that is not what I'm saying. Well, no, flat out. They immediately... Yeah, they immediately recognized a bad situation and didn't stick around for it. These women were smart. But the problem is that they're not able to work in this type of industry because of the toxic environment. You don't stick around a poisonous room dying because you want to be there. It's wise to leave a toxic area. And the only reason they stay there is because they have to make ends meet and sorry to interject the only thing i'm gonna sure the only thing i want to interject with with everything you're saying so far all, all you're saying what you're saying is correct what you're saying is incredibly messed up incredibly disturbing but here's the thing and i don't mean it as a rebuttal in the gaming industry if you make it over five years like whether you're a man or a woman you're considered a veteran because the gaming industry has such a high rate of burnout and toxicity that you're a veteran if you made it over that five-year hump that's insane that's yeah, five years and of nothing. So these issues that are coming to light now, I mean, it doesn't sound like this is the only one. And 
as you know, admittedly, no, I didn't look too much into video games overall as like what the problems in their industry is. I just I just looked at the topic as what was being discussed. It does sound like this is a, a an industry that needs an overhaul from the ground up. I remember during the Oscars, Life of Pi was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Scre- Adapted Screenplay, Best Visual Effects, and it won an Oscar for Best Visual Effects. The visual effects company that produced those uh, three-dimensional imagery for the film went out of business because they were doing that as well to their video effects artists. They were burning them out. And once the project was done... They folded. Yeah. The person that accepted the Oscar accepted it, but the company that that was attributed, no one could find it. <laughs> it was it was no longer there. Jeez. And that's just... It's that, tough. That's And that's the industry. Like, the video games and probably the movie-like effects industry, they just expect people to work like machines, and this is the result of it. And look, look, we could have a nice, or horrific, probably... To our conversation about all these nuances that are messed up in these industries for these people that work in them, you know, amongst both genders. But, and that's that's a st- uh, startling point to me, is that we need a lot of overhaul in this, but specifically with the video games industry. I mean, come on, you and I play video games to have fun and relax, and it kind of sucks when some of the games that you and I have played that really have enjoyed, like Red Dead, you know, are just marred with controversy and don't even treat their employees you know right it's like then they take it a step further and have this stuff like the cause room i mean come on it's like yeah that's yeah again so there's a i think so for me and it's going to be really touch and go i'm going to be really delicate with what i'm going to say because it's it's really tough but i feel like there is a place and time for all kinds of energy except rape there's no, there's never a good time for place for rape. However, I understand that people have thoughts and humors and personalities, and people like to be themselves, quote unquote. And at work is not a good place to do that. That's all I'm saying. But what I am saying is that there is a place and time for it. So the, the where I get this from was in college I needed to take a I needed to take a society class or something I needed to take uh, something foreign about foreign language or something right one of the required credits a requirement right and the class that I signed up for was African-American literature and also (laughs) uh, the use of the n-word which was an interesting class to take and they asked us if it would ever be okay to use the word ever everyone said no i said no the class said no so they asked us when would it be okay come up with a scenario and the way that i looked at it was recently michael richards had gone to that laugh factory and been like the you know the guy he's up there they're all that guy and I thought, well, in public is not a great place to use the N-word, but in private is a different story. You can be yourself in private, and you don't have to worry about being judged, but if you are, it's most likely for your benefit. But I feel like the, these people 
are going to be themselves regardless of whether they want us we want them to be or not i feel like these people who worked at activision blizzard at the time who participated in the cosby suite didn't feel like they were doing anything wrong because of several personality traits perhaps well they they probably they strike me as the kind of people that have gone their entire life facing little to no consequences for being quote unquote who they are like their entire life like mom dad didn't really punish them a whole lot you know people they met with just dealt with the fact right. that they're probably yes. giant assholes so they were just like you know whatever we'll just deal with him and this guy went on these people went unfettered into the workforce and they ended up working at this company that's you know embellishes this frat boy culture and on the one hand wow these people are awful but on the other hand it strikes to be the point that i made about you know at this point 12 13 minutes ago that it tells me that the culture is rotten from the top down like you want to change the company culture you got to work from the top down no more diversity pages on the about us saying like look at us how inclusive and how great we are no more you know memos to the entire company saying that we're going to do better no more you know oh, yeah. fake pr statements no more mandatory arbitration either right and no yeah that's a, yeah, that's another good thing. No more mandatory arbitration, and no more, you know, bullshit PR statements to the you know to the ether saying that we're gonna do better next time, guys. We promise. That means nothing. You actually have to do it. You actually have to work at it. Which takes me to my next point, and this is just a, a real quick thing that I found. So, here's the thing. I like ragging on EA. I could easily do it. Yeah, me too, dude. Like, no, honestly, I could easily rag on EA for the next hour about. The you know the company the types of games they make the microtransactions etc. However, this is the one of the few times I'm actually gonna for now give EA a little bit of praise of the company's studio leadership. What did they do right? Of the company's EA studios leadership, fifty percent of the leadership roles are women. Huh? Now hold on, this gets a little bit better. And don't worry, I'm gonna give them the bad news in a sec. Women also make up twenty one percent of the company's people leaders. I don't know what that means for the hmm. record, but I'm assuming it's better than not. And 18% of technical roles. In the report, ESL points out that Hispanic and Latin representation in the workforce has risen 34% in the last two years and has shared a chart with current employees of the demographic breakdown. So, in a sense, good job, EA, for being a little bit diverse. However, 24% of all the 9,800 employees from EA are women. So, it's like, leadership positions, great. Entire workforce... You got work to do. So, again, if I'm going to, like I said, give some praise to EA, but I'm also going to, you know, take him down and peg and tell him that, good job, guys, but you got to do a little bit better. Well, that's good. I mean, it's interesting that it was from EA. It's a little surprising to hear, but at the same time, because I am super duper skeptical about video game industries it uh, you know I'm, I'm just hearing that and the first thing that pops into my mind is it they could have just done that to look good pr wise like oh looked at the first candidate who was a hispanic woman and said well yeah let's hire her well don't you want to see her credentials she's hispanic and a woman so let's hire her it's very possible it is entirely possible that they're probably doing that however i think you mentioned something earlier. But is that a good thing? So, yes. And here's why. Economically, read articles about this like over last summer when you had the George Floyd protest. America 
like company-wise and society-wise does better when you have diversity because if you can look like a good diverse company that cares about all you know walks of life when you're trying to sell your product make more money and then here's the other thing when you can give positions to people that might be from those lower socioeconomic statuses and you can give them a new lifeline you know make more money promotions you know raises stuff like that you put them in a better standing so that way they're able to have a better life altogether so it ends up benefiting everybody by being able to give people those chances i mean they still have to prove themselves when they get the job but assuming that they prove themselves it's a it's a net benefit for everybody so yes economics it is i think it should be yeah i mean it should be credited to companies who do try and diversify uh their workforce especially since not only would it ease tensions for racists because you're introducing more people to the collective herd, quote unquote, but it would also show how people can work together just in general. And the reason I'm saying that is because when my brother first started to truck across the country, he kind of got an uneasy feeling about leaving Massachusetts, like the state of his home, like he, other people dangerous or I don't, I, I want to stay home. I told him that America was his home kind of thing. That, like, we are a part of Massachusetts, which is a part of the United States, which is a part of the Earth. We're all Earthlings. <laughs> Who here is not from Earth? You know, raise your hand. Well, according to Men in Black, about 1,500 beings, but we'll get into that later. That's another topic, but a lot of people seem to isolate themselves. And I want to get into this, it like, in another podcast, but... A lot of people tend to isolate themselves because they're scared of something. They're worried and they just don't want to introduce themselves to the equation in fear that they might ruin it. But uh, that fear comes off as other things. You know, they're trying to distance themselves. Oh, we'll just get that person away from me. You know, racism. But once we start to learn that we can work together to cooperate, like, not everyone is out there to kidnap your daughter. Not everyone is out there to poison your drink. Right. Some people just are trying to live their life. And you know what? That's just it. They're living their life. They're trying to do their job. They're trying to, you know, make ends meet. That's it. It's most of the time, that's all it is. In fact, nearly all the time, yeah. that's all it is. Yeah. And to reflect on these women who were harassed, if I might get into a little bit more, according to Kotaku... Their article, Inside Blizzard Developer's Infamous Bill Cosby Suite, Crosby, someone in the department who submitted the lawsuit, spelled Cosby wrong. They spelled it Crosby. Interesting. Anyway, it was an official document, so they couldn't change the name, so it's officially the Crosby Suite. But it's referring to Bill Cosby. Uh, the person who wrote the article, Ethan Gock, uh, published it on July 28th of 2021, and he says, he reports in the article that many former and current uh, employees would treat the work area as like a bar. After like four or five o'clock, they'd all just rip open beers and go flirt with the female employees. Okay, again, tells me the culture is rotten from the top down. Again, I'm gonna pound, yeah. that, I'm gonna pound that home until like I'm blue in the face. I've worked multiple, I've worked many jobs in my life. Most of them garbage, most of them, in a, like a, 
corporate-y type of office. And at 5 o'clock, most people just want to go home and just relax at home. Like, and if they like their coworkers, maybe they'll hang around after work and maybe go to a restaurant or a bar. But opening beers at the office. Now, that is a new level of frat boyism. Yeah. Reflecting on this, those poor women had to endure that. So imagine how they felt just around themselves, on top of the fear that, uh, you know, generally most women have about, like, walking home alone at night. Now you're surrounded at work. You know, if you go out with friends, that fear follows you there. Uh, if you're living in a sketchy or suspicious neighborhood or you're in a new environment because you moved there from work, you know, you've got that fear. So this person, ugh, and I hate to be stereotypical, but video game dudes just gene just generically are sexually repressed. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I feel like a lot of people go home to play video games just to unwind, relax. But there's just a lot of people playing that almost feel like they, in the case of these people that were treating these female co-workers like crap, they almost felt like they were entitled to it in like a incelly type of way. Yes. And I think that's what you're getting at. Essentially, it was they reflected upon a stereotype. They were the embodiment of what a lot of people just stereotyped masses of video game nerds as. People who couldn't get laid, people who would have to resort to this type of behavior. What I like about incorporating diversity into the workplace is that it would remove a really strong fear of the surrounding people around us. That's something I forgot to mention to you earlier. Um, so when I was making my point about diversity being a good thing economically, it's also just a good thing um, socially and morally because, I mean, yes. me, I mean, me personally, I'm just going to, my experience, I personally love hearing about people's different backgrounds, their families, but maybe the food they ate when they were growing up because it's all very interesting oh, to learn all about, about all this because we all grew up differently and... I don't know. I like these. I like swapping these stories about different family members and everything. And I'm, and I'm int intrinsically interested in hearing like, oh, your family came from this place in like the 70s. Oh, that's pretty neat. And you've been here. Oh, that's pretty cool. An interesting thing, just being able to learn all this stuff about a new coworker or a new friend. Like, so a lot of us as a whole don't necessarily like our jobs. We just do them to make ends meet. It's a paycheck. I get that. I understand that. I've had many jobs like that in the past. So we don't need to compound our misery by making others around us miserable in some form or another. We just don't. Like, I'm not saying you need to be a perfect corporate citizen and say all the right things a percent of the time because it's never going to happen anyway. Someone's always going to slip up. But we don't need to compound people's misery. This whole thing in the gaming industry, this whole toxic culture, I wanted to mention this before, you know, we wrapped up the episode. Um, as a whole, from when we were kids, what didn't help, what honestly didn't help was seeing a lot of video game commercials or board game commercials where it's like two guys playing or a bunch of you know guys playing at somebody's house. Like video game commercials, I feel like with the exception of very few, I feel like most of them had boys in them or had like young men in them. So again, getting a little psychological here, impose this idea on us that me mostly male people in the gaming world, whether that be making the games or playing the games. But we found that that just isn't true. And it kind of sucks that a lot of people believe this or this gets ingrained in their head because as you grow up, a lot of women, 
Maybe not now. Maybe it's getting better. But at least when I was a kid, I felt that a lot of girls were steered away from video games into doing other stuff that's stereotypical. So that by the time, you know, maybe they do want to play video games. And again, I'm making a complete generalization. So there might be people that this doesn't subscribe to whatsoever. But just finishing my generalization, I feel like a lot of these people, a lot of these women didn't have the opportunity to play these games when they were little, except maybe if they had an older brother that had a system or something like that. So now as an adult, they're kind of getting their chance to go play these games and they're kind of exposed to this toxic world of, you know, white men, you know, incelly men, like telling them and gatekeeping saying like, oh no, you can't play this. You wouldn't find this fun. And that's unfortunate because it honestly took until I was dating my now wife where I was able to play video games with my significant other, seriously. I dated a few women before her, and none of them showed nearly any interest in video games at all. Or if they did, it was very minor stuff. It might have been like these like simple, flashy, or you know, pirates games on uh, the PC from the mid two thousands. Like, but the idea of playing mm. Call of Duty or some first person shooter, forget it. It was never going to happen. Halo, forget it. And that sucks. Everybody should have the opportunity. I mean, if you legitimately don't like video games, so be it. But everyone should at least have had the opportunity. But I don't think everybody did. At least, and I think a lot of women didn't have it. That's what I'm saying. I can actually attest to that. I'm not a woman, but I have a sister. And I recently heard a story from my sister that actually really, like, broke my heart. And I was a part of it. And that's what broke my heart about it, was I contributed. I contributed to that. But it wasn't just me and my brother. It was my mom, which is ironic. You see, the culture passed down to my mother, my mother tried to instill on my sister because her mother taught her, her mother taught her, so my mom was gonna teach my sister. But when it came to raising two boys and a daughter, she separated boys' stuff and girls' stuff. So this was for the boys and this is for the girl. Gender so norms. So when it came to, right. And when it came to my brother and I playing video games, she bought two controllers, even though she had three kids, because she didn't want my sister playing video games. So when we would get home, my brother and I would play video games. My mom would say, well, Sam, what do you want to do? And she'd say, well, I want to play video games with JT and Tim. Well, no, no, you don't. That's boy stuff. And that infuriated my sister because she loved JT and I. We were, we were siblings, and she couldn't play with her older brothers because they were doing quote-unquote boys things. And when she told me that, I recognized it. I remember, I remember saying as a kid, no, because you're a girl. We, and that's the thing, not to justify, but all of us, like or a lot of us, were like that as kids. It's like, no, you can't do that because you're a girl. It's like, at one point or another, you, I, and a bunch of other boys of America were like that. And it's definitely sucks that we were like that. We didn't know better, but it still definitely sucks that we were like that ends. Yeah, we were just kids, and that's what we have to forgive ourselves about. You know, we were raised that way. We couldn't control that at that age. <laughs> we are older now, and we are recognizing the problems that we contributed to as children in today's society. So what we have the opportunity to do now is to go forward and to change society we are going to be in control of it when we get older you know when we are who we are 
you know, we are technically the laborers and the leaders of today. You know, when Blizzard and Activision employees walked out on July 28th, they sent a very clear and strong message that they wanted this shit to stop. The fucking CEO came out with a tone-deaf response being like, all these accusations of a blustering, you know, bullying state government. And all the employees wrote their own press release saying, no, no, it's not. This is actually true. And they made it a point to say work is not worth this. And contributing to the labor crisis that we're going through already, it's a clear sign that we're finding the weak flaws in the system and we have something that we can do about it. Unionizing is a great idea. Yes, 100%, 150% we need to do that. And for the video game industry, unionization is definitely a great first step to doing that. However, as a society in general, when it comes to how we view video games, like people playing them, that admittedly will take a lot longer and maybe even be harder battle of the two. But there are some things we can do. And before we wrap up, I did want to mention some of these things. And these are some of the things I think that would go well moving forward. Yeah, I also had, I also had some questions that I wanted to leave the pinpoint players with before we wrapped up as well. Yeah. So I'll tell you what, let me leave you guys with these ones and, and then Tim, go, go ahead with yours. Um, so I said um, a little while ago that at this point, 48% of gamers are women, 52% men. About 50-50, it's not reflected in the workforce at the moment. Gaming culture is toxic right now, but the community norms can change it. And by that, I'm saying we have the ability to kind of change that toxicity. We have the kind of ability to push forward maybe a new wave of let's say esport players like it doesn't have to be the generic stereotype of white dudes really good with a controller you know winning cash prizes like the companies running these have the ability to pull in teams that maybe have some you know women playing on them or maybe all women teams the point is they have the ability to be inclusive and that would be a good step one step two is it's not just the players like i said the people playing these esports or playing the games fans are a part of the problem and by that, you need more diversity across the board, including the people watching them. And to do that, you kind of have to do what you and I said. You have to, in the beginning, when they're kids, kind of foster that growth. You don't have to train your little girl to be an esports player, but don't tell her playing games is for men or for boys. That's just not going to help anybody. And that's just going to continue this, you know, heart-wrenching cycle and keep this going. And then the last thing I want to say is... um. I think a reason that there aren't a lot of women, too, in um, video game industry as developers, it's a bit of a chicken and the egg problem. Now remember, a lot of times when we're young, we're told, girls can't do this, only boys can do this. That wasn't just true of video games, that was true of, of like maybe careers, and because women are steered more to like be shy away from mathematics, yeah, that Barbie doll in the 80s that said, math is hard, because of stuff like that, you have women avoiding things that are mathematics-based. So maybe they don't major in math. Maybe they don't major in computer science. Maybe they don't major in some sort of like computer technical type of degree. They'll major in something else that they feel is more suited to them and maybe it wasn't after all. Again, you gotta be willing to tell them, no, you can do this. You don't have to listen to your parents, you know, bullshit thing of saying that, oh, this is only for boys. My point is among those three things is inclusivity, diversity, etc. 
but it is but it starts at the beginning when they're kids let's not gatekeep and i don't say it as like worry the gatekeepers i'm just saying in general gatekeeping is stupid it's stupid in anything it's stupid like when it comes to like fandoms like oh you're not a real marvel fan oh you're not a real dc fan it's like stop that it's really annoying i mean i can go on a tirade about how gatekeeping across all fandoms is dumb but it's really stupid here anyway that's kind of what i wanted to share what you guys were to take away from this most of all well thank you rambo yeah that that was very insightful uh it was very encouraging as well i'm sure that those of us who have children who are listening hope that they can bring that to their child's life as their parent i I certainly hope that i could when i have a child um i'm i'm it brings me back to when i first started at uh four wall boston it's a beautiful events company uh absolutely get in touch with them for your next event uh and they asked me if i felt comfortable (laughs) (laughs) not sponsored by the way uh but yes not sponsored um so they asked me if i felt comfortable doing the job and i had never done the particular job that i did with them but i learned to do it very quickly and it became a simple everyday thing you know plug the cables in make sure the lights are good get the temperatures of the lights make sure that they don't reach you know maximum temperature so fine yeah i could do that but the way that i illustrated that i could do it was i said well the way i see it is i'm a human i'm a human being asked to do a job that a human has designed another human being to do so i feel like i'd be able to do that considering i'm not an elephant you're not asking an alien uh, an octopus uh uh, a cat, a dog, to do something that a human is capable of. And the reason I bring this up is because when I was watching Sasquatch in space, I recognized that we were all Wait, hold on. people. Wait, what's what's that? I'm just sorry for, for me and for those listening. <laughs> so Sasquatch in space is a weekly live show on YouTube where a jazz... A musician dresses up as Sasquatch and plays a saxophone. It's really fun. Got it. Great group of people. And I realized that we're all Earthlings. So when I realized that and thought about all of this gender discrimination and, you know, gatekeeping about fandoms and all of that, it comes down to that we're all people. And as a person who is very skeptical of the larger picture, I feel like society or the puppet masters of the media tend to bully us against each other so that we're so caught up in fighting. And I'm sorry about my opinions. These are all, it's just my opinions. But I think that what we need to do is stop looking at the hypersensitive picture that the media is talking about and we need to take a look at the broader spectrum because if we start looking at each other as black or white or men or women we'll overlook the fact that we're all people and that is the most important thing that i want to get across to the pinpoint players so the last thing i want to leave with uh, the pinpoint players is that when we're talking about this kind of things, when we hear about Activision Blizzard or Ubisoft or Riot Games and how they treat their employees, it's something that the mass media seems to you know, throw in our faces a lot. And 
what I really want to do as we look at the broader picture is ask ourselves, what are we doing by contributing to this conversation? Like, what, what about the conversation is helpful? And like Rambo and I have been saying for this podcast, no one is innocent in this. There is just things that were socially normal for us growing up. And now we're dealing with it in adulthood. Some of us have outgrown the problem and some of us have brought it into full-fledged red flag alert. So as we are aware of our surroundings, I, I, I want to leave the pinpoint players with this thought of how can we help by contributing to the conversation? That's all I want to say. That was a very good question to kind of leave us out on this. And, you know, with that said, before we get into kind of the outro, if you guys like this specific episode, this type of, you know, more serious quote unquote reporting and just serious conversation about something seriously affecting people, you know, let us know. And if you don't like it, if you don't want us to talk about this kind of stuff, well, you know, let us know too. And honestly, if you didn't like it, well, too bad because this kind of stuff's important i think it should be talked about anyway that's my opinion but absolutely that's also my opinion because i feel like we as people just tend to tiptoe through the tulips hoping that we don't jump into any bear traps but i feel like the more bear traps that we jump into the better prepared we will be for the next one so as a as a personal communicator i feel like talking about things that make us uncomfortable is a great way to get us out of our comfort zones it makes us better as a podcast but it makes us better as a society when we can address these things that people didn't address say when they were kids like we were talking about yeah exactly so if you like this type of content leave a five-star review in our apple podcast if you're listening on spotify don't forget to follow so that you can keep up to date with us you can also find us on instagram where we will post memes with video games, essentially. And for any updates there, we'll always post there. And then lastly, if you want, still want to reach us old school by email, pinpointplayers at gmail.com. But with that said, thank you guys for listening to this more serious episode, and we'll see you for the next one. Take it easy, pinpoint players. <laughs>